You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Ozark, Arkansas tonight. And tonight we have a special guest, Mr. Chuck Snow, is going to be joining us in just a second. Uh, tonight we're going to delve into, we want to really have a really interactive show tonight. So if you've got any questions, if you remember Chuck from the last call, he's the CEO of Traffics, uh, the oldest brokerage company in Canada and also uh, an asset-based carrier. Uh, so you have an opportunity to speak to a CEO that has this uh, has the post of the market. So you get an opportunity firsthand. I don't know if you guys get this opportunity much, but you got a firsthand opportunity to pick the brain of a true professional in Chuck Snow. So if you got any kind of questions or anything, uh, get lined up, press number one so we can get you in the queue. Um, my phone screener is gone tonight. She's got tennis lessons, so... Uh, we're flying solo without a net tonight, <laughs> so you're going to be stuck with me. Um, so tonight we're going to jump into a little bit of a topic that we talked a little bit about earlier this week on the uh, Rate Per Mile Masters Facebook page was about the spot market rate kind of tanking this week. And um, pulling up the DAT trend lines report, and we're going to just jump into it and start off with that. Uh, rates recede seasonally is the headline that the DAT trend line report says. The week of July 6th through the 12th, spot market capacity rebounded fully from the July 4th holiday week, but load availability rose only 8.7%. A typical season, seasonal pattern for early July. Rates declined $0.02 cents per mile for vans, $0.05 cents for reefers, and $0.07 cents for flatbeds compared to extraordinary, extraordinary high of the previous week, and which I don't understand why flatbeds would have declined because demand is still, from every all indications that I'm seeing, demand for flatbed is still out of this world. Um, so we're going to jump over to the U.S. van market demand report real quick. And load availability recovered only 3.7%, while truckload capacity increased 27%. So you got a conundrum right there. In the first full week after Independence Day, the national load-to-truck ratio dropped 19%, 19% from 4.4 to 3.6 loads per truck, which is still favorable for carriers. And that is what I was going to get into when we were talking about spot market rates kind of plummeting, falling on its face. A lot of people have been saying, um, but the rates are still pocketed. I got a question earlier this week. Someone was asking me about which, which are the best states to be in. And sometimes when you see those state indicators on the information that DAT puts out as far as the hot states and stuff like that, you have to be really cautious about that information because um, one sector of a particular state that has a, a really good freight and it could skew those numbers and make that state look like it's doing really well. And if you're in the wrong part of the state, you're, you're kind of in a uh, in a real bad position and you wonder why you can't get any, uh, you, you were saying, like, all indications said that this is supposed to be a good area, but I'm not seeing, you know, I'm getting these low ball offers, I'm getting these low rates. Uh, once again, going back to what we've been harping on, now is, you know, it, it, it was feast of, spot market is feast of famine, depending upon if you have the information, know how to work it properly. Um, unlike my counterpart, Chad Boblet, that that's really aggressive, he likes to stay aggressive, and he goes anywhere and everywhere in the United States. You know, you guys kind of know a little bit more about my operations. You know, I, I run a uh, one-truck carrier with the refrigerator uh, operation, but I only operate in the southeast, so my operation is a little bit more condensed. I don't go all over the United States. Um, so, but we'll, we'll we can get into that a little bit later. I'm I'm a, I want to finish this up real quick, and I want to get Chuck on so we can get him in and and get some good information out of him. Um, so that was the U.S. van market. We're going to jump over in the flatbed demand. 
uh, U.S. flatbed demand, the flatbed load availability recouped 14% and truckload capacity added 34% in the first full week after the July 4th holiday. The load-to-truck ratio declined 15%, which is, this is crazy. Listen to this. The truckload ratio declined 15% from 46.7 to 39.8 loads per truck. Come on, are you kidding me? Which indicates continued strong demand for flatbeds. I mean, I... I don't see how any kind of rates decline <laughs> could take place with numbers like that. Uh, load of, uh, now we're going to jump over into the demand for reefers. Uh, reefer ratio cools 15%. Uh, load availability recouped 4.1% for reefers in the first full week after Independence Day. As truck load capacity increased 24%. The resulting load to truck ratio declined 15% from 12.2 to 10.2 loads per truck, which remains favorable for carriers. And this goes back to what I'm saying is you have to know in the spot market, you have to have the more information that you avail yourself to and you know exactly which markets are still have a, a the pocketed demand is still built up in certain markets. If you know where to be, when to be there, you still can get good rates on the spot market. But um goes back to saying cases are still favorable for uh, carriers, this is still a great opportunity to go out and be soliciting for direct customers. If you want to uh, kind of take yourself out of the swings, the volatile swings of the spot market, going and trying to recruit and, and uh, solicit direct customers is one way to definitely take yourself out of the, uh, the volatile swings of the spot market. And we're going to jump into rates real quickly for dry vans in the U.S. market in the Northeast, the average rate in the northeast was one dollar and ninety cents um i'm sorry rates dipped um let me let me read what it says here um for the week of july 6th through the 12th rates dipped two cents as a national average last week edging down from a record high rates remain elevated but they lost a portion of the previous week gains in buffalo buffalo charlotte chicago dallas and stockton and other major markets so jumping into the um Northeast market, the average rate in the Northeast was for dry vans was $1.90 per mile. Moving down to the Mid-Atlantic and Southeast, it was $2.51 per mile on average. Midwest was showing $2.18 per mile on average. Uh, South Central region, $2.14 per mile. And the average out West showing a $2.45 rate per mile. That's on the... Um, dry van segment jumping over the u.s flatboard flatbed rates uh flatbed rates dropped seven cents last week to a national average of two dollars and 47 cents per mile flatbed equipment continues to be in high demand and rates remain strong northeast markets showing a average of three dollars and 61 cents per mile southeast markets showing a average of two dollars and 74 cents per mile the Midwest market showing an average of $3.23 per mile. South Central market showing $2.97 per mile. And out West, $2.09 per mile on the flatbed rates. And jumping over into reefer rates for the week of the 6th through the 12th, reefer rates dipped $0.05 cents last week to $2.44 per mile. As pressure receded after the July 4th holiday, National average rates typically peak in June for reefers on the spot market. So to the regional rates, northeast rates were averaging $2.36 per mile. Southeast rates were averaging $2.26 per mile. Midwest rates were averaging $2.69 per mile. South central rates were averaging $2.03 per mile. And out west was averaging $2.51 per mile. So that's kind of a quick, really quick brief synopsis on the uh, DAT trend lines. And I'm going to jump over real quickly and move, try to move through this real quick on the fruit and vegetable truck rate uh, report from the USDA. And this week we have no markets in the entire United States showing a shortage. There are no markets that are showing a shortage. You have several markets showing a slight shortage, and I will go over those real quickly. The slight shortages are indicated in the San Joaquin Valley, 
California that's showing onions are coming out of that area. Uh, slight shortages in South Carolina showing melon, melons and tomatoes are coming out of that area. Upper Valley, Twin Falls, Burley District, I'm going to think that's in Idaho, uh, showing a slight shortage. Uh, Eastern North Carolina is showing a slight shortage. And the only other market that shows a slight shortage is southern New Mexico. All other markets are showing at least adequate or a slight, uh, slight surplus. So take that for what it's worth. Now, got through that really quickly. With no further ado, I'd like to bring on our esteemed guest, Mr. Chuck Snow. Chuck, are you there with me? Good evening, Rico. Certainly am. Glad to be here. Good deal. Good. Glad to have you aboard. So, Chuck, like I was saying, uh, been hearing a lot of talk about the um, spot market rates plummeting and everything through this month. And by you being a broker, I know you're on the Canadian side, but uh, I'm thinking that some of the stuff is pretty similar. Correct me if I'm wrong, but can you can you uh, shed any light on that? Yes, you know, and we're involved on the U.S. domestic side too through through some of our brokerage operations with clients. Um, what happens this time of year? First of all, you've got an awful lot of plant shutdowns. You've got holidays. Um, you've just finished the, one of the biggest holidays of the year, so you had all that pent up demand. It it wavers a bit during the summer. I don't think there's anything to be alarmed about. Um, certain areas, you know, I could overhear what you were saying. Uh, where the rates were quite low, you know, in the northeast. And, you know, freight out of the northeast, there's not the amount of manufacturing there was at one time. So, you know, when you go in there, you know you're going to get good money going into places like Jersey and Connecticut. Don't expect to get rich coming out. And, you know, this is a seasonal thing. And the other thing on the reefer side, of course, is the uh, seasonal produce throughout the whole continent is starting to come to market. So, there's going to be some um, there's going to be some difference in pricing. Uh, there won't be the volumes of uh, fresh fruits and vegetables coming out of certain regions in the U.S. that there is other times a year because there's no demand for that uh, volume from the west or the south or from so- for some of the produce into some of the areas where they're starting to produce their own soft fruits, especially um, you know some of the plums and cherries are starting to come in. Um, in regions, and that changes everything every year. I don't think it's anything to get alarmed about. Okay. Well, that, that's great news. Um, so what have you been experiencing as far as uh, – oh, well, I'll, I'll come back to that later. But what, what have you been – you guys have been experiencing as far as your operation is concerned? There's huge, huge shortage of flatbed trucks everywhere in the U.S., uh, we just can't get them, uh, and I'm talking about for domestic U.S. shipments. They're just scarcer than hen's teeth. And in you know, in some weird parts of the U.S. where you would think there would be a lot of equipment, there's none. You know, places like Nebraska, uh, there's just nothing. We you have to run trucks from Denver to get something picked up in Nebraska. So we're seeing that all over. Uh, I was moving a load the other day uh, for a client from Laredo uh, just up to Amarillo. It was 400 miles, I think. And, you know, when I called people I knew down there, they started laughing. They said, step in line. You know, I've got, you know, I've got 50 loads ahead of you. So there <laughs> is, and this is on flatbed, and it was nothing oversized. And wow. the rates down there were, they were crazy. They were, you know, 4 and $5 a mile. So, you know, when people, yeah, it's unbelievable. People bellyache about not being able to make money on a truck. Well, you're probably pulling the wrong trailer. Well, and and, and that's, wow, funny you say that, because George George, uh, uh, Heck, one of our uh, esteemed guests and and, and colleagues, he calls in a lot, and he talks so much about making, having diversity. Even if you're only one truck operation, George has several different types of trailers. And and he's big on uh, utilizing every piece of every uh, piece of tool or equipment in his arsenal. Um, 
we got a few people lined up that want to ask questions. And like I said, I want to have, uh, want to keep this interactive as possible on this podcast. So you guys, a lot of guys are on the line, press number one to get in queue. And we're going to start coming directly to you. We're going to fly in live. We don't have my call screen of the night. So we're going to go to the caller in the 517. Uh, let's see if we can bring him up here. Hi, caller in the 517. You're on. Hi, uh, my name is Grace, and I'm actually not a carrier or a truck driver. I'm actually a broker, so <laughs> thank you for letting me get on you guys' show. But I've actually been in the industry now for just a little bit over a year, um, and I just I really like the relationship, the strong relationship between the drivers and the actual brokers. So I just wanted to ask you guys, just for some advice on making relationships between uh, carriers and brokers um, tighter and what we can do to, I guess, really help you guys out in the long run, not just finding loads, but maybe complaints that you've had from like brokers in the past or ways that we could really better our industry. That is a great question, Grace. It's uh, great to hear the question. And if, if Rico, if I can answer this one, because one of uh, we run two separate uh, businesses here. We have a brokerage and a truck line. And one of our biggest complaints and frustrations in dealing with outside brokers is we don't get correct information, and it is yeah. so frustrating. We we send a poor driver in to pick up a load, and it's the at the wrong place, or it's the wrong PO number, or it's the wrong size skids, all sorts of different things. It's supposed to be 12,000 pounds, and it's 49,000 pounds, and the poor guy can only right. scale 44,000 pounds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Next to getting paid in a timely fashion, I think the uh, the second most important thing is to get uh, correct information from brokers. And that's where we have – listen, we have customers that do it too and give us incorrect information uh, yeah. ourselves. But I think as a broker, I think what you have to do sometimes is really you need to call and make sure you've got the right information. And I think too often what happens is it's garbage in, garbage out. Yep. And the, the customer gives the broker very, very basic information. It's, you know, uh, it's really uh, scarce. And the broker gives that to the driver verbatim or the carrier without checking it out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's funny because a lot of the drivers that I work with are owner-operators. Um, they tell me about those horror stories. Or, for instance, if I had one of my customers, works with a couple other brokers as well and I'll have drivers that will, you know, ask me about a load and they're like, Hey, is this coming out of this customer? I've really been screwed over there and it's just because not my customer, but because of the broker that they used at that time period, you know, decided to not actually do their due diligence and figure out every little detail about the load before putting someone on it. So yeah, I, I that's one thing about my job I'm, I really stress is before I even go and post a load or call someone about it, I get every little bit of detail, whether it's, you know, dunnage, um, what type of trailer, temperature set, all of that. So, yeah, that's definitely some great advice just for you personally, uh, being in both trucking and brokering. Uh, I actually work for a smaller company here in Michigan, and we're expanding and growing very quickly and efficiently. And we're looking into getting trucks very soon. You know, did you do trucking first and then brokering, or did you have a broker, were you a broker, and then went into the trucking business as, as well? And how did that, I guess, uh, added structure, did it did it hurt your business? Was there any, like, problems that you had or any advice for adding trucks to brokering companies coming non-asset to asset-based? It's, it's the toughest transition that you can ever make. Really? And if you are, if your company does not have experience at running trucks, yeah. I don't recommend it. Okay, no, that's great advice. Hey, truth is the best, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it. You know, with brokerage, first of all, you have you you always have um, your shelves full of something to sell. Yeah. Okay. You you've got you know you've always got 
uh, freight you can find and trucks you can find, and you put them together, and you make whatever percentage you people work on. And, and there's all sorts of different margins from, you know, 8 to 30% out there. Yeah. Okay? And that's one thing. When you have a fleet of trucks and you have 10 trucks and those trucks are loaded, well, your shelves are empty. Yeah. And I can honestly tell you that the little bit you make on trucks uh, is a lot of times not worth the effort unless you're going to do it in a big way. It's mm-hmm. a tough game. We got forced into it. Now, way back in the before we started Traffics, we had a small trucking company uh, for a year that I, that I ran, and I'd been around trucks before that. Um, mm-hmm. And then Traffics always had some owner-operators originally working under their own authority and insurance. And then uh, because of a bunch of incidents that happened up in Canada uh, with wheels flying off the trucks, not ours, thank, thank God, but um, there was quite a, uh, quite a lot of bad press. And yeah. if you remember that, I guess it was happening all over. And it was really when the 53-footers started to come in, wheels started to fly off because a lot of the places we were asked to put those trailers into were not built for 53s. They were built for 40-foot 40, 40 and 45-foot and 48-foot. And by the time the drivers jockeyed those trailers into position, they, you know, they played hell on the wheel bearings, and guys had leaky wheel seals, and uh, before you knew it, tires were flying off and killing people in cars. Yeah. So we got forced by some of our large clients to go out and have traffic trucks, and that kind of forced our hand. And and we've done it, and we've been we've had some successful times, and we've had some tough times with it. it it's a tough, tough game, um, yeah. and I don't know why you're doing it. If you're doing it to uh, just to make more money, don't bother. Put your effort into brokerage. If you're doing it to serve some of your customers in a better light because they are demanding it, uh, then you do what you got to do. But yeah. if you're doing it to make a whole bunch of money, don't do it. I'm telling you right now, this is, you know, and anybody that calls in uh, will tell you, you know, unless you're going to do it in a very, very large or specialized scale, uh, mm-hmm. forget it. Uh, biggest problem is finding drivers. Um, if you're going to pull dry vans, you're just getting into the same racket as a whole bunch of other people. And yeah. unless you're established, it's, you know, you're going after the low-hanging fruit. You're not going to make a lot of money. If you're going to do it, become specialized and pick a lean and do it that way. Okay. That's no, my that advice to you. All right. All right. Awesome. Great turnabout, fair play. So, so, so we're we're here to educate um, a lot of our drivers and everything as well. So, what are some of the biggest problems that you have out of dealing with carriers? Oh yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Thank you for asking me that. Um, well, I would probably have to say just. Uh, accountability on your location. And I really, I, I work with great carriers. I, I don't have too much to complain about. But I think for me so far, in the year that I've been in this industry, it's it's tough when, especially you build such a strong relationship with your customer. It's tough when you have a driver, for instance, that, you know, says they're only like 50 miles away and then <laughs> almost like three hours goes by and your customer's like, you know, they're still not here. Where are they? So I kind of like to know maybe the reasoning for why drivers sometimes do that or if there's a way to make that, I guess, accountability a little bit better. But so, I, like I said, we really do diligence on our carriers and make sure they're, they're good people and, you know, solid on making their pickup appointments and all of that kind of stuff. But I think that's, like, the biggest thing for me so far is just the lack of um, truth when it comes to uh, delivery, being able to get somewhere on time, and all of that. So maybe speak on that for a little bit. That would be great. All right. Well, Grace, well, we, we commend you for calling in. How about you want to give yourself a uh, shameless plug? Uh, tell you come where you where you might be oh, looking yeah. for trucks at or anything like that? and. and <laughs> If you're bold enough, you can. If you're bold enough, maybe you can throw your phone number out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I definitely will. <laughs> so I work for a small brokerage company here in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, Fifth Wheel Freight—that's the name of our company. 
Um, we are a diamond broker. Uh, we have that $25,000 bond, which, of course, everyone has to have. Um, pay our carriers on a very, very timely manner. Uh, we, we, I think, maybe once, twice on accident because of when receivables could come in, you know, pay people late. That's, I think we're on average about 12 to 25 days to pay. So um, for all of you guys out there looking for loads out of uh, Toledo, Cleveland, Michigan, all throughout the Midwest, I have building more customers in Pennsylvania. These are mostly flatbed, but I do have reefer and van loads as well. Um, feel free to give us a call. Look us up. We have a website, www.fifthwheelfreight.com, with all of our contact info there. Um, or you can get, definitely give me a call if you just want to say, you know, thanks for, you know, talking on the show. That'd be awesome. Uh, my phone number is 517-708-8816, and my extension is 103, but you can talk to anyone on the sales team. We're great. Um, but, yeah, no, yeah, I definitely love to plug, plug us. Um, and, you know, like I was uh, saying earlier, we are looking to become asset-based, but I think uh, definitely – show this uh, podcast to my boss and I'm listening to it too, because I think that was some really great advice from someone who's obviously been through that transition. So I'd like to just say one thing. One of your frustrations sometimes uh, with drivers taking, you know, not being where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. uh, Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been on the road yourself? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, then you know that sometimes, especially when you get into some of the areas like uh, New Jersey, uh, Chicago, New York, um, traffic is just awful. And what should really take, you know, if you've got a 90-mile trip, can take four hours. Yeah. And you know, so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I guess it's more of the, like, this traffic is bad. There's no way, you know, because – because most, I feel like for most brokers that they have a good relationship with their customers, they can usually get them to stay open or have them just pick up tomorrow. So, no, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and I guess it's a small kind of thing to complain about, but. Well, it's not, but you know what, what, what happens is quite often, and we go through it all the time where yeah. a customer says, what do you mean? Your, you know, your truck isn't, you know, he's not here yet. Um, it's only 50 miles. And we say, well, yeah, he, you know, it, it's only 50 miles, but he's in a tractor trailer uh, going between, you know, um, Hackensack and, uh, you know, and somewhere in, near Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. It's 50 grueling miles on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and sometimes that get that does get lost in the sauce, uh, so to speak. But uh, great, great question, Grace. Uh, look forward to. Uh, Maybe your phone jumping off the hook uh, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely give me a call if you want anything in the Midwest. So we got tons of lanes that we're running. Uh, a lot of steel, but we've slowly been moving uh, out of the steel into uh, a lot of uh, reefer-type shipments and uh, van loads, too, of various metals. And uh, especially now with construction going on, we've really built up, like, a cement company, brick company, stuff like that. So, like I said, phone number is 517-708-8816. My personal extension is 10. But, yeah, like I said, we are uh, growing, so we would love to add carriers to our database right now. So if you just even want to call in and say, hey, I got my packet, set me up with you guys for the future, that would be the best help in the world. So I will definitely – I started listening to this podcast uh, – Today, actually, I've heard about it uh, from an associate of mine, um, Brian, who's actually listening now, too. So um, we will definitely be listening in the future, and I'll I'll continue to call in, too, with any questions I have. Cool. Well, we appreciate it, Grace. Thanks for listening. All right. So we got uh, – that, that was an interesting phone call. Yeah, we got another great. call coming in from – yeah, we got one more coming in from uh, – and just to remind everybody that's on the line – Press 1 if you got any questions or anything so we can see you. We'll get right to you. Uh, caller calling in from the 519. Caller, what's your name and how can we help? Yeah, my name's Richard. And uh don't know how long I'm going to be able to be online here. I'm in between Timmins and Sudbury, so Chuck will understand that. Good luck. Huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Chuck, I just wanted to pick your brain real quick here. Um, I just started the uh, – 
application process to get my CBOR. I've been leased on to Landstar for going on three years now. I'm going to stay with Landstar. I'm going to actually put my uh, younger brother in a truck. Zero experience, fresh out of school. I was able to find insurance for him. We're limited. Ontario, Quebec, Winnipeg. And it's got to be a man for the first year. Now, I know it's a, you know I know that's a tough market, and I don't know that market very well. Um, I guess my first question is, do I stick with a tandem or do I go to a, a triaxle with a lift to get the heavier loads coming out of Montreal or or out of Winnipeg or going out to Winnipeg? Um, um, I'm actually cringing here, seriously. Uh, because, and this is for you, anybody listening on the U.S. side, because freight in Canada really moves one way. Uh, you have such a hard time getting back out of the West. Um, and will, now, will they let you haul a reefer, or it's got to be dry? No, no, it's just a van. That's all I was limited to. No flatbeds, no tankers for the first year until you get some experience. Okay. Uh, I'd probably look at... You know, you really want to stay away from the low-hanging fruit because you've got every, you know, everybody and their brother that doesn't want to go on the U.S. side for whatever reason, immigration reason, or they can't pass a drug test or whatever it is, and they, they run that lane. Um, and part of the, you know, part of the big problem is there's too many guys doing it. So if you're going to do it, you really want to differentiate yourself somehow with a piece of equipment. Um, you know, if I was going to be forced to run that lane, I'd probably go to something like a Trident Reefer, uh, or at least heated. Uh, but boy, it's tough getting out of Winnipeg. Uh, that's why at least a reefer you could maybe haul pork. Um, I don't know what's coming back, and there is some potatoes, I think, coming back out of there. Um, but it's it's it is tough. Okay, yeah, I was kind of, I just I added I added Manitoba to the insurance just as a kind of a, a little, not a safety net, but somewhere you can run a little farther. My, I, um, we live down towards Sarnia, Ontario, so I think I'm just going to run them up and down the corridor for the first year. Right. Just get them some experience in that. But, uh, um, yeah, you, know, you can go? probably do okay, um, you know, running between, let's say, Windsor and Montreal. Uh, keep them close to home. And you, even running that lane, you could probably get away with a tandem reefer and do okay. Okay. Now, what if about once you go west? You're going to need that help with that triaxle. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. The last couple of times I've been out there, like uh, that's all that's coming back, and you know, is triatoms and that. Um, where's Where's a good place to start in Ontario for for brokers or carriers like to to find the freight? Um, I'll tell you what. If you uh, if you give us if you give me a call tomorrow, um, yep. a traffic. I'm extension two o three. Okay. And I'll put you in touch with some people here uh, for some loads out of uh, out of the Windsor area uh, going towards Montreal. Okay. And that will be a start anyways. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, like I said, I've been at Landstar almost three years. I love it here. I don't really want to leave. I don't want to, I don't want to take my truck off. I've built some pretty good relationships over here, and, and I'm quite comfortable. Right. But... Um, and the, the original plan was for him to come on here at Landstar. They were going to let him come on with no experience, but he can't get his fast card. So okay. they won't let him come on. So that's why we're stuck over here. I had a crazy idea the other night about if I was to leave Landstar, why couldn't I run the U.S. part of the the operation and he run the Ontario part? But with the rates and that, is that even going to be is that economical? No, I think you're better off uh, for yourself. you got a good gig at Landstar. They are a good company. Um, I personally, for dealing with them from the brokerage side, I'm not real comfortable because of the whole agency thing, to be honest yep. with you. But I do respect them. I respect what they do. Uh, they're a reputable company. I would never say a bad word about them. Um, you know, I have friends that have their trucks on at Landstar, and they seem to be quite satisfied. Okay. So, right, you know, I'd just probably gonna... leave my truck on there. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's sort of where I'm leaning. I'm, I'm really comfortable. Like the last two years, I think it's dollar eighty nine and a dollar ninety one gross to the truck when it was all, you know. So like it's it's I think it's crazy for me to jump ship, but 
I just thought that there might have been a little more more opportunity if I was dragging the freight in from Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, that he would run it into Toronto or Montreal and deliver it and bring something out for me. But uh, now you probably you know what it doesn't always work the way it should. So yeah, I know. Spend, you know it, it works great on paper. Uh, and I think any of us could, uh, before we got into this, could sit down and figure all sorts of wonderful uh, scenarios out on paper, but they really don't work when you get into the truck and you have uh, all sorts of ridiculous waiting times and delays and, and all sorts of unscheduled events happen in our lives. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Chuck, well, I appreciate your time, and I'll give you a call tomorrow. Okay, good luck to you. Yeah, thank you. All right, so we got... Like I said, everybody, we want to try to keep it interactive. So press number one, put yourself in the queue because we, we we ran out of callers in the queue. So uh, if you push number one, we can get right to you. So, Chuck, jumping back over to um, the uh, spot market rates and everything, because it's still it's been, it's really been a hot topic in the Facebook group as far as uh, – it, it plummeting on a lot of people. What areas do you um, do you know of, or could you say would be some good primary markets to focus on for the for the different uh, perspective segments of the market? Like for us, flatbed. Well, flatbed. We already said it. it. It's pretty much high demand anywhere in the country. Um, it is. It's crazy. But um, you know, for reefers, there's some uh, there's lots of opportunity. It seems in the Pacific Northwest, for example. Uh, there's some in the, uh, there's a little bit still in the south. Uh, parts of California are still producing a little bit, I guess. Um, and then, uh, you know, and, and that all changes really quickly. And part of the problem with the whole spot quote thing, and I remember this way before uh, we got into spot markets and, and that or anything else. What would happen is um, if you were down in Homestead, Florida, for example, around April, and you were the first truck there, one of the first trucks there, and the melons started to to come in, um, and you picked up a load of melons, and they would pay crazy money. You'd get, you know, $4 a mile for the first load. And people would hear you got $4 a mile, and they would hurry on down there. And by the time the last truck got there, the rate would be $1.50 a mile. And right. what happens and with what happens with these spot quotes, Rico, is we the spot quote is last week's news. And it doesn't pertain because everything is so volatile and it changes so quickly. As soon as anybody hears that there's great money in an area and they can get into those areas, then, um, you know, all the trucks are in there and then the rates go down. So, you know, truck drivers and truckers are always shooting themselves in the feet. And we do this. And that's what my. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, and one of my biggest things is that the best thing you can do is pick a lane, do something, and do it right. Uh, I think it's pretty dangerous living the spot quote thing and going from region to region. I, I think that, you know, and playing the spot quote market because you get burned too often. I think that if we're going to make money in this game, I think you say, okay, and especially if you're a smaller operator, um, you say, okay, I'm in Chicago and I'm going to run from whether it's Chicago to California or Chicago to St. Louis, whatever it is, do it and do it well. And right. become an and expert on it. That's some of the advice that we've been giving out as far as uh, uh, telling telling people when people have asked us about going out and soliciting direct customers. And I've seen, I'm saying that if you're a smaller operation, if you're just a, you're a small guy, you need to focus on that particular lane so that you can run back and forth so that people will get to know you. You become then you become like the expert in that particular market for for that lane. Yes, and, and you and, know and what? Those the are the most successful people I see. Right, right, and I, that's great because now it, it gives us some validation, so people can start to, um, you know, I don't know. A lot of times, I think some of the conundrums and and some of the things that people hold back on when they go want to. They want to go and get direct customers, but what their fear is is that, well, I like being able to have my time and be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I fear that if I if I, if I I go out and get a customer, I'm going to have to be beholden to the customer, and, and now I'm going to have to – my schedule is going to have to be dictated by servicing the customer. And some people, that may be a hang-up. Oh, it's um, going to be. You're right. Um, 
because some of them want, you know, they want their, their freedom, but they want their, uh, you know, they want their finances in order, and it doesn't necessarily go in that order. The age-old thing of always wanting your cake and eat it too, right? You got it. And, you know, some of the things, you know, we talk about, it, it's so true. And, and we talk about going after direct customers. Well, I got to tell you something, that sometimes if you're a one-truck operator, you could possibly do better not having your own customer and just being being the go-to guy for a bunch of brokers. Exactly. You can actually do better because these guys are out selling for you. Yeah, they pay. You know what? They're they're paying you ninety percent or whatever they whatever they're paying you. But you agree, number one, to take the load or not to take it. Um, if you're good, if you're good at what you do, and you do it all the time, they'll work with you. And the other thing is, I think uh, for the most part, you may be better off from a financial point of view of taking the work from a broker because you don't have the financial risk. Remember, the brokers are, um, they've got the bonds now, and I think that we've weeded out an awful lot of the bad ones. Uh, what happens right. with customers, you get into a customer, and he could be the best customer in the whole world, and he could pay you in you know, in 21 days or 7 days, whatever the arrangements are, and his best customer goes out of business and goes bankrupt and takes him for ten million bucks or whatever it is, and he has to shut his plant down. You're not getting paid, and you have no recourse whatsoever. If right. your broker you goes under, get, get, get in line at the bankruptcy court. You got it. And if you're lucky, you get ten cents on the dollar. If you're lucky. Now, yes. if your broker goes under, you can go after the uh, the actual customer. You can do that and get paid. Right. So I think you've got to keep that in mind, too, um, when we're telling these guys to go out and get their own customers. And the other thing about having your own customer, an awful lot of the uh, brokers will work with the truckers. I know we will. And we will, you know, especially the produce guys that are running from coast to coast, we'll advance them fuel money. And Right. Before- and I- Before you can, you know, uh, before you have a customer that is going to pay you in 30 days, which is pretty standard, and we have some, we have some big Fortune 500 companies that pay us in 90 days to hold that money for 90 days, and that's what you know. And I don't think we're a lot different than a lot of other trucking companies and brokerage companies. So. If you've got to wait for 30 or 60 or 90 days for your money, you're better off to deal with the broker and get paid right away because, you know, trucking is all cash flow, as we know. We buy diesel fuel every day. Exactly, exactly. Um, we got another caller coming in. Let's see here. Caller from the 402. Let's see if we can get him up here. Caller from the 402, you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, Rico. Hello, Chuck. Hey, uh, talking about going into a step deck, but I don't have no experience. Uh, What's your name, Carlos? Kevin. Kevin. All right, you say you're trying to look into going into a step deck? What are you pulling now, Kevin? Drive in. Okay. Uh, Where do you live? In Nebraska, I presume? Yep. Yep. Okay. I would suggest, and, and this is just a suggestion, there's got to be a place somewhere around Omaha, um, some sort of a truck driving school. Yeah. And I bet you if you phone them up, there's some sort of course they give you uh, they they would provide in how to tarp loads and how to chain them down and how to strap them and stay in compliance. And, you know, if not there, I'm sure uh, south of you, 100 miles in, in the Kansas City area, there's something. It's certainly worth your while to learn how to do it. And if worse came to worse, if you had to hire somebody to show you, it'd be well worth your while, the amount of money you're going to make. You heard Rico at the start of this podcast talk about the difference in dollars. Right. You can make a lot of money with a step deck right now. Yeah, and uh, there's also another resource. You can go to J.J. Keller. Uh, J.J. Keller has some training programs. Uh, if you're a member of NASTIC, you should have a, a, a J.J. Keller catalog that they send out to you. Uh, 
they usually send out that annual catalog every okay, uh, yeah, every month, got that. at least once a year. So if you if you thumb through that thing, there there is an in depth DVD um, training uh, module for for doing flatbeds on tarping, and it it goes over the different thing about you know doing the binds and, and doing the binders and the ties and how much weight you know all that stuff because it's really particular on as far as making sure all that stuff is properly uh, secured on the flatbed. Uh, but J.J. Keller does have a uh, DVD program, but there's nothing like the hands-on experience. I mean, you can watch something and you can pick up some things, but there's nothing like, uh, you know, maybe getting out here and, and, and uh, maybe on an off day or something, going down to a place that where you stay at, that, that, that low step decks and flatbeds, and go down there and help a guy talk or something, you know, uh, so you can pick up some things, you know, just, Try to think out of the box. Anything that's unorthodox, but I'm I'm sure where you stay at on your off days, you know, you you might be able to find a uh, uh, a place you know you should places. I mean, it's not hard to spot step deck freight or uh, flatbed freight, so you you know where those places are. Maybe just go down there and hang out or something like that, or and, and see if you can help a guy out tarping his load or whatever. I'm, I'm sure he'd be more than glad to. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I think Rico, that's a great idea. I, I'm sure that if there's a local trucking company in Omaha that just runs local, uh, they'd let you tag along with one of their drivers and help them throw rags on top of loads and, and uh, chain it down. Uh, if you did that, you know, for four or five times, you'd get an idea what has to be done. Okay, yeah, because then the other one is uh, all the equipment that I'm going to need with the straps and the chains and the right chains and. Yeah, you're going to need a lot of equipment, and it's got to be uh, fairly new equipment under the new laws. Okay. Now, are you, uh, what sort of step deck are you looking at? Well, I don't know. Where do you, which way you want me to go? Well, if, See, that's, uh, that's the other thing. That's the other thing is I don't, I don't know which way to go. You tell me, you say step deck, okay, do I want to do a single drop, double drop? A uh, single drop would uh, single drop's pretty versatile, and okay. I and I got to tell you something. If if I was going to do it personally, from what I've seen, I would uh, you know there's some really good makes out there, Retinauer and Mac, and uh, there's a whole bunch of them, uh, and I would look at putting one of those sliding tarp tips on. They're worth their weight in gold. Like the Conestoga? Yes, sir. Not not quite as tall, but well, you go thirteen six, and uh, and you know with that step deck, you can just about the only thing you're not going to be able to load is oversized machinery, which you, or oversized loads, which that that's a real specialty, anyways. And if you've never pulled a deck before, you really don't want to start pulling oversized to begin with. So um, if you want to set yourself up for real success, that's what I would get. Single single drop with a uh, sliding sides. Yes. And whatever you do, get uh, get a full sliding tandem. Or and some of the guys are even going to the tridums. Okay. Uh, there's lots of good loads out there, and you know somebody that's willing to do, as Kevin says, to do the hard work can make themselves an awful lot of money right now. And there's no end in sight. Yeah, wow. and that's. That's that's great. Uh, I, I'm thinking that uh, you know I got asked last week uh, about how what do we predict as far as the rates rates and capacity is going as far as uh, uh you know um, and I think that everything even though we're going through a little bit of a dip right now I think that we're still uh, in full recovery mode I think that we're still uh, gaining a lot of momentum and all the numbers and indications still show that you know. We still are in a very strong market as far as truck, trucks and everything is concerned. So um, I'm still really optimistic, even though this week, you know, some people think that the sky's falling. But like I said, I think it's just more of a uh, compartmentalized as far as where the bad rates are, you know, if you're in a bad city or not. Well, the future, you know what, I think the future looks phenomenal for our industry because we, uh, you know, this shortage of drivers is not going to go away. It's going to get a lot worse. So this economy does even have does not even have to grow for this industry to to thrive as long as there's people willing to drive trucks. 
And that's right. going to be the so Kevin, did you have any, Kevin, did you have anything else before we move on? No, you can turn me off. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks. We appreciate the call. We got another caller calling in from the uh, 602. Let's see if we can get them up here real quick. Chuck, uh, caller from the 602, Rico. what's your name and where are you calling from? Rico, uh, Chuck, thanks for taking my call. It's uh, it's Chuck's driver of the month for employee of the month. Hey, go on. How are you, buddy? <laughs> hey, not bad. Hey, uh, just a little advice there for Kevin. Another great resource would be the uh, Nebraska Trucking Association, the State Trucking Association. And uh, from them, you can get the uh, National Cargo Securement Guide, which is a great go-to uh, reference for uh, cargo securement and uh, and doing things uh, in compliance. And, uh, yeah, boy, if I was picking a set deck, it would definitely have uh, – a sliding axle on it so I could open up and make myself a lot more versatile on uh, juggling loads. Yeah, I think that this is your, or the, or the Tritum actually, you're seeing more and more, uh, Tritum step decks. And it, uh, and Chuck, you're bang on with, uh, with the driver, uh, medical, uh, coming on board. We're not going to see it right away, but, uh, the amount of drivers that are going to be ineligible for this career is uh, is going to be frightening, and capacity is really going to tighten up within the I, next two years. I couldn't agree more. I think if you if you go into any truck stop in North America, uh, I don't think an ex, it's an exaggeration. I think 35% of those guys that we and women that we see in the truck stops are going to get their tickets pulled. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting in Ontario, California as we speak, and uh, I'm watching two go across the parking lot that do not have a hope of passing a medical. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, and you know what? I think that it's a whole other subject, but I think that the truck stops uh, up until very recently have just, you know, they a lot of them have killed their own customers, which I really don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's all I've got to say. Thanks for taking my call. Take care. Nice talking to you, Dale. Keep up the great work. <laughs> Take it easy, Dale. But um, my question, my question uh, about you got guys and girls out there that maybe we're going to get ready to start wrapping it up here. We got about eight minutes left in the hour. Um, but for guys and girls that that are interested in trying to go out and get direct customers, and they may be feeling a little bit intimidated or whatever. Would you recommend, uh, Chuck, um, like a sales school or something like that, going through some type of sales training or something like that? A hundred percent. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Uh, they they really do need some sort of sales training, just like you wouldn't get in a truck and not know how to drive it. If you're going to go out and sell, you need to know how to sell. Um, and the best one in the world, and everybody uh, in this company has taken it and passed the course, is the Dale Carnegie course. And if you can't get to the course right away, the course isn't cheap. It's a couple thousand dollars. Uh, for God's sakes, go and read some of his books. Uh, it's old stuff. It's been rewritten through the years, but it's good stuff. And you need to know what you're doing out there. And when you go in to see a customer, you've got to look the part. Um, you've got to be presentable looking, and you've got to be able to talk intelligently. Because I think today's buyer is a lot smarter than he's ever been before. The people are knowledgeable. They have a lot of information. Right. And, and that was one of the other things that I was going to ask you as well, or, or at least mention, was that when you're going in to uh, – solicit to your customer or whatever, um, you need to be able to go in there and present something to them as far as information that may, you know, help inform them as to how they may be able to uh, get a better, bring more value to them as far as what you could do to help them increase the values of their customers. You know, maybe right. not, maybe being able to try to dissect their, uh, dissect what it is that they're doing to see, if, see where there may be chinks or flaws in their operation that you might be able to help ease. How true. Uh, my best advice for anybody starting out is to remember you got two ears and one mouth and do a lot less talking and a lot more listening 
and you'll be a lot more successful when you're out there selling. Cool. They don't want to hear about you. They want to, they want you to ask about them. Right. Because people like to talk about themselves. Well, of course. And they want to, they want <laughs> you to ask. They do. You know what? That's everybody's favorite topic. And, uh, and they want to, and if you're a good salesperson, you're going to ask the right questions. And the right questions can be about the, what you're shipping. They don't really care if your truck is green or blue. And uh, they do care about your safety record. That's really important. And uh, they care about your, you know, your service standards, where you go. Um, but what they really want is you to ask questions so they can talk. Try to say as little as you can and get as much information you'll get the customer. Make them feel secure. Great tips, great tips again. And so, everyone, I hope that you guys were taking notes. I hope that you guys got a lot of information. I, I tried to get forewarn you guys last week that we were going to have uh, Chuck back on this week. And uh, once again, it, I tell you, the hour is just thrown by. How's it ever? I always have uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just flew by tonight. And uh, really good calls, really great questions. I um, um, was kind of caught off guard by our very first call of the night, but I, I definitely appreciate uh, the broker calling in. That, that That's that's some good stuff. The show goes to show that we are making a little noise out there and, and we're starting to get uh, a little recognition. A lot more people are starting to hear about us. Definitely. Which is always a good thing. So, uh, Chuck, anything that you want to say in wrapping up, anything you want to close, anything you want to – uh, uh, I noticed you guys redid the website since the last time I looked at it. Yeah, we're redoing, and we're actually going to be changing our logo. Uh, we're just about wrapping that up. A lot of changes here, and they're all for the, uh, you know, they're all positive changes. So, you know, you can't you can't stay in business if you don't keep changing. So we've got a young management team here, and and they really driving change, and it's all positive change. Right, I was listening to, I was listening to Wharton School, uh, Business School Radio, and uh, and and they they was one of the things that the guys from Wharton Business School were talking about was that you constantly have to be, uh, they saying that the oxymoron the keyword in the industry that a lot of people are saying is, is you're starting to cannibalize your own your own uh, customer, your own your own industry is what they were saying. You're cannibalizing your own industry on certain things that with they were doing, but they was like, who who else better? To cannibalize anything yourself, you 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 don't want to sit around and be and, and allow, allow your competition to come in and and uh, beat right. you out of something. It's better it's better to put yourself, you know, uh, put your own stuff out of business by replacing it or doing something that uh, better modify it. And I was I was just like, man, that that's that's gold right there. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know, Walmart is a great example of that, Rico. Yes. You know, they will eventually, they say they will eventually cannibalize themselves because they're opening up so many stores, but they're doing it right. Right. At least, as you say, they're going to take themselves out of the box if they ever get out of the box. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So how can um, how can people learn more about you and traffics if, if they want to get in contact with you guys? Well, they, you know what? They can call here anytime they want, 800-388-4352. And my extension is 203, and they can look on, on the web, uh, com. And if they're, uh, right. if they're on the road, they may see some of our trucks or trailers. And if we happen to have anybody, uh, uh, that, that ha- we have any Canadian uh, listeners that may be looking for uh, to come on board or anything, are you guys doing any hiring? Yeah, we're hiring drivers and owner-operators, uh, drivers, for, well, both for flatbed uh, and drive down also for reefer. So we've got lots of opportunities both here in uh, Milton, Ontario, and Calgary, Alberta. And we do run cross-border operations, so we won't, uh, we will not hire anybody that won't cross the border. Okay, so once again, uh, Chuck, you want to throw that phone number out there just one more time? Eight hundred three eight eight four three five two extension two zero three. That reaches me directly, and I do return calls. I'm adamant about that. 
All right. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed and got something from tonight's call, uh, tonight's podcast. Uh, Chuck, a wealth of information, great guy, more than willing and open to share and help you along your way. I hope you guys see. So this is the second call with Chuck. He's he's been our uh, going to be our once a month guest on the podcast, and we're going to try to uh, look forward to seeing getting back with Chuck again uh, on the next call. Is it the third the third uh, Wednesday of every month? Third Wednesday of every month. I got you in my calendar. All right. Well, Chuck, we appreciate it once again. And for Kevin Rutherford and the entire Les Truck team, this is Rico Muhammad signing out live from Ozark, Arkansas. Wishing you all good night. Be safe out there, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.